Yes, us. Welcome to the Kefi Life Podcast. My name is Kiki Vale, and I'll be your guide to creating a life of Ola Kala, all is well. Together, we'll get back to the basics, and we'll explore fresh new ways to flourish in mind, body, and soul the Greek way. You can look forward to interviews, stories, essential self-care strategies, recipes, and actionable takeaway Ola Kala moments. This is going to be so much fun. Let's get going. Bam it. Our Lexi for today is Vivliothiki. Vivliothiki, or library. What is the definite meaning of library? Well, if you go to the Latin library, it means book. In Greek and the Romance languages, the corresponding term is biblioteca, where you will find groups of books and or other print and non-print materials organized for your use. Vivliothiki, a place of learning, love, and wonder a place to escape the current location and transport yourself to another one in time, geography, knowledge. Vivliothiki, a treasured collection of books, resources, scrolls, manuscripts, and important tools to elevate your understanding in a certain subject matter. One of my favorite historical and beautiful libraries that I've visited is in the New York City area of 42nd and 5th Avenue in Manhattan. The second largest public library in the U.S., the New York City Library was built in 1895 and is a stunningly beautiful architectural building which denotes a feeling of New York that is simply impossible to imitate. Whichever bibliotheki or library that you enter, it will become a personal discovery to your very best self. This is Kira Moran, President of Kingdom Farms and proud sponsor of Kefi Life. Kingdom Farms provides organic meats, poultry, and fish throughout the USA. Kingdom Farms has been blessed for 52 years with providing the highest quality foods to all our customers. Please contact Kingdom Farms for your culinary needs at www.kingdomfarms.com. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit qodpod.com and meet our podcasters. That's qodpod.com. The Kefi Life Podcast is thrilled to weekly present information and knowledge to assist you in your journey to harmonizing the mind, the body, and the spirit. Today, we have the distinct pleasure of gaining insight to rediscovering Greek medicine, wisdom from the hidden manuscripts. Today with us, and he's pretty well-informed, professor and historian of ancient medicine at the Institute for the Preservation of Medical Traditions, Professor Ala Tuwa. Tuwe, did I say that right? Yes, correct. Oh, welcome. And it is so nice to have you here with us. How was your presentation last week at the University of Chicago? Uh, thank you for having me. It was great. Uh, we could engage in a conversation with the audience. And let's say we saw many pictures of ancient manuscripts, what these ancient books look like, when uh, how they were used, when. And we went from the most remote antiquity up to the early 20th century. So we covered quite a bit of ground. Fantastic. And you educated and enlightened people on ancient medicine. What is the focus of your work? Tell us about your work. The goal is really to recreate ancient medicine, to understand how ancient physicians were practicing medicine, what they could do for the people, and how this kind of medicine was efficacious. What could the real uh, the, the physician do in the real world, uh, in the field? So, Professor Tuwe, uh 
Do you read, because so much of what you have discovered is in ancient Greek, do you read ancient Greek? Yes. My first degree is in classics, reading ancient Greek. And uh, to be honest with you, I started studying Greek when I was 11, with short pants in uh, high school. And so it's oh. more than a, cent a half a century. Oh, wow. And there's so much, there's something about the ancient Greek language that is philosophical and also um, enlightening, if you will. How would you describe the ancient Greek language? It's a mental gymnastic. Uh, it's like mathematics. If you can do math, you can do Greek. But the opposite doesn't work because I'm not good in math. And so I am good <laughs> in Greek, but not in math. <laughs> well, this is very exciting. So now you have discovered many texts, manuscripts. Where have you discovered them? And how were you led to these places, Professor Tway? Uh, I discovered them all over the world, in big libraries, the British Library in London, uh, in New York, at the Pierpont Morgan Library, there is one. Here in the state, there are maybe five, six, something like that, but also in small monasteries, in Greek islands, uh, everywhere in small villages and that's exactly my job when I have an information in an article for example a book or something like that to try and find whether this manuscript really exists and what is its exact number when you go to the library my point is to make it possible for you to get exactly that manuscript to get the right number for you to have that manuscript. And so I travel all over the world with Emanuela, my wife, and we explore libraries. And it's something fantastic, let's say, doing research and traveling. Very interestingly enough, um, last week, our, when I was, I heard part of your presentation on Zoom, and I think I heard you say that you discovered something on the island of Patmos. Yes, correct. I, I was at the monastery in Patmos. Why would it, a, a document or a manuscript of medicine be on the island of Patmos? Because it's a monastery which was founded quite a bit of time ago during the Byzantine period. And so the monks who were not ignorant, as you will find in the literature, this kind of narrative, these medieval monks were ignorant and they didn't know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. And so they had libraries, and in their library they had also books about uh, medicine, food, what kind of plant they should uh, grow in their garden, and how they should care for their health. This is fascinating. Okay, so I just want to give reference to our listeners that do not know about the island of Patmos, that that is where the St. John Evangelist wrote the Revelation. And there is so much profound knowledge with this. I can't, so this is intriguing. The people of the past knew the value of the information of how medicinal plants and how medicine should be practiced, that they saved it and preserved it in a monastery. In, in the libraries, the monasteries were a place for culture, a reference in the village. And so when people had a problem, the first thing they were doing is going to the monks because this was the place to know, the cultural uh, reference point. And so these people, the monks, had the books as a source for knowledge. So you have been researching for a life for over your lifetime. What do the manuscripts that you have discovered look like? What paper were they written on? What, from what century are the manuscripts from? 
We have manuscripts, uh, Greek medical manuscripts from the uh, 5th century uh, CE, of course, up to uh, classical 16th century, but also up to the 20th century. But these are completely different. The most ancient are on parchment. Uh, skin animals which have been treated to be flexible and to be uh, white enough to, to write on. But from the 13th century on, we have manuscripts on paper. And so uh, we have a big difference up to a certain point parchment, up to a certain point uh, paper. And after the fall of Constantinople, uh, 1453, uh, the city of Constantinople, the capital of the Byzantine Empire, is conquered by the Ottomans. Greek culture continued in the Ottoman Empire, and there we have a completely different type of books because these are the books, uh, the notebooks of the uh, families, and with the experience of the families. And this is called in ancient Greek, Iatrosophia, which means li literally, it means the uh, wisdom of the physician, uh, the medical wisdom. And so these were the notebooks in the families. When you find a manuscript that reveals this type of information, this sophos, wisdom, if you will, do you get excited? How does it make you feel? Uh, the greatest excitement you can think of, because sometimes you are the feeling totally justified that you are the first person who opens that manuscript after five centuries. And so there is a perfume a smell which comes out of the book, and with this smell, you have almost the people, the individuals who are behind this book. And so you, you meet an individual. It's a physical contact which goes beyond the book and the writing. So give me an example of that perfume that you would smell or that you, had, that you would get to know that person who was writing this manuscript to teach us about Greek medicine. It's a perfume of uh, old paper, a little bit of dust, <laughs> it's similar in a certain way when you have a book freshly printed coming from the printing company you still smell the ink on the paper and that's this kind of feeling but going beyond that you really feel the person who wrote the book the pain in writing all that the acquisition of the knowledge and you feel that these people went to the garden collecting the plants. That's what you have coming out of these books. Excellent segue to this question, which is, how have flora and medicinal plants incorporated themselves into Greek medicine? That's a very long story, because even <laughs> though all texts, the most ancient, go back to the time of Hippocrates, so the 5th century BCE, the knowledge goes way back in time. Uh, medicine was not created by Hippocrates. Hippocrates is, of course, the starting point of something, writing down the knowledge of that moment. But Hippocrates is also the heir of a long tradition, of a legacy of acquiring the knowledge of the plants. And so, for example, we have in the works which are attributed to Hippocrates, we have pepper. But pepper is not native to Greece. Pepper is native to India. And if we follow well the text, if we analyze, if we do microsurgery on the text, we can follow pepper step by step, moving from India to Persia, from Persia to Asia Minor, and finally 
from Asia Minor to the Aegean Islands, because uh, the island of Hippocrates. And so the kind of analysis we do is precisely that, to try and identify, if at all possible, how the plants entered in the text. And so one of the examples which I presented in the talk last Friday is in the 11th century, we have plants from India and China, and the physicians didn't know the plant, the green plant, the real plant, but just the product made with the plant, the dried plant, the leaves, for example. They represented the illustration, they just represented the leaves and not the entire plant. And so we can follow step by step how the plants entered into medicine and from medicine into the text. That's exactly the job that we do. So there is such a crossover of the plant life and the medicinal purposes of, let's say, India and China and Greece. All of it sort of over crosses over. Yes, it's already a global world. We think of Greek medicine, but that's not only Greek. Uh, Greek medicine is a convergence of different uh, contributions which go as far back as China. Yes, indeed. How has this important information that has been passed down to us remained preserved? That the books, and that the physician, and that the monasteries. And so these books have been transmitted from one to another, copied from one to another, and this concept that reproducing texts lead necessarily to a deformation, a loss of information is not correct. Of course, there is some information which is lost, but the practitioners added in their books notes on the basis of their own practice. And so these texts are preserved, of course, but constantly improved to correspond more closely to the real practice of the people. And so since we consider texts from the 5th century BCE to, let's say, the 15th century CE, 20th century, it's natural that these texts are transformed because the way of practicing medicine and the way of knowing the plants change it, and it is constantly updated. And so the so, texts are a constant, but with also regular updating. So why do you think that this information um, or these practices of the ancient people that is in a convergence onto the Greek medicine, like let's say the natural world and plant life and so forth, why was it so applicable and helpful back then, but today we try to go away from that? I mean, I don't, but I love plant life and botany and natural living, but... Uh, we need to return to this kind of medicine, and not only medicine, also food, and uh, general practice, because in the ancient world, food and medicine are exactly the same thing. So your food is preventative medicine. And when you have a problem, the first thing to do is going back to simple medicine, uh, plants. There are lots of things that you can do with a plant. But be careful because you rightly said that I am a historian. I am not a medic. So I'm not recommending anything to anybody. And I don't ask you to believe me. Uh, I'm <laughs> a provider of information. I bring this information back to the 21st century for the scientists to take a look at it and to verify whether this is something that works. What is the most fascinating thing that you have discovered through your research? Oh, there are so many. Uh, that's a difficult question because I should choose, which is so difficult. But uh, one which might be the most uh, really 
uh, important is what I have mentioned, uh, the Chinese plants in a Greek manuscript of the 11th century. And so with the representation of the drugs, not the plants, and there is also the musk deer represented. The musk deer is typical of the Himalaya. And so in Constantinople, in the mid 11th century, they knew the musk deer, and the musk was used for perfumes. So that's something absolutely fabulous to discover that in a manuscript. Hmm. You and your wife partner, Emanuela Apatiti, um, discovered or created the Library for the Medicina Antiqua. Did I say that right? Medicina Antiqua, yes, okay. Oh, <laughs> I need to take Italian. Um, well, let's just get to this question. Um, how do you how do you work well together? You've you've done research to um create the Institute for the Preservation of Medical Traditions. Tell us what the um goal is for this institution. The goal is to recreate the practice of medicine and to merge different approaches. Emanuela is an anthropologist. I am a historian. Emanuela was interested and still is in uh, traditional Aboriginal Australian, uh, Australian Aboriginal population and the practice of medicine. I brought her more to medicine. She attracted me to anthropology. And so we complete each other. We interact on each other. And at a certain point in time, since in the academy, they are thinking in a vertical way, the silos, everybody is uh, in his own specialty, where we cross all the uh, disciplinary borders, we thought it was important to create a specific space for the study of medical traditions, which merge anthropology and history, but also botany, pathology, uh, all the specialties which are necessary to the proper understanding of ancient medicine. And this is the Institute for Preservation of Medical Traditions. And I was um, on your website and I saw that so many people have donated and also been a part of your venture from all, people from all over the world. What is your hope? What would you like to, where would you like to lead people today that are listening to learn more and to uh, help you with your efforts? We need to settle in in an institution to transform our own work into something more permanent, uh, having a solid basis because being independent is always fantastic because uh, you can pursue your research and always following your follow your research but sometimes you need to settle down somewhere and now we are at a turning point we have created a fantastic library which is medicine antiqua 30,000 books we need to transfer that to an institution to make it permanent and to open more widely the doors of our collections to people who are interested in so far we have had only only way of saying students coming from all over the world on an individual basis but we want to transform our effort into something more institutionalized. And so this is exactly what we need. In closing, do you believe that you practice some of these ancient practices that you've discovered on paper? No, because I'm not a <laughs> medic, but yes, because every single day we care for what we eat. And so yes. we try to eat in the more, most balanced way without exaggeration, a glass of wine every day, sometimes a glass of ouzo, of course, but uh, vegetables and this kind of thing. So we try to have an equilibrated life, which might be what Hippocrates would have liked us to do. Outstanding. Oh, and by the way, and I know we're closing now, um, what is your view on Hippocrates or Hippocrates um, from the manuscripts that you've discovered? Like, what would you like to say about him if we wanted to meet him today? 
Hippocrates was a fabulous physician because he didn't write anything. That's the first point. And so all the writings which circulated under his name, there isn't one which is by him. But he encouraged people to practice medicine in a different way. And this was the clinical medicine to look at the signs of the medical conditions of people, observing the patients, having a personal contact with the patient, knowing what they were eating, where they were living, what they were doing. And so if I were to meet Hippocrates, uh, first, I would be absolutely honored. I would liquefy on the spot. <laughs> and, then, and then I would ask him, what do you think of me? Is my life equilibrated? <laughs> You have been such a joy and such a pleasure to speak with today, Professor Tuwe, and I look forward to our uh, future episodes. And we'll in the show notes, we will be sure to write down how people can find you and your work and Emmanuel's work. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much, Kiki. I do too. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Stay right there. Up next, your weekly takeaway to keep it all as well. This Ola Kala moment brought to you by the law offices of Liston and Centillus, ranked number one by the Leading Lawyers Network since 2010, taking care of all your real estate needs. 2018 was the year to return to ancient practices and bring them home to modern life. It was the year for the first time ever I visited the island of Ikaria in Greece. Located on the eastern Aegean Sea, people here engage in a lifestyle that resembles that of people before us thousands of years ago. For example, the fuel of the body was and remains a prescription for maintaining health. Drinking tea, such as sage, oregano, rosemary, mint, fennel, chamomile, and mountain tea, also were the common herbs of this particular island. As teas go, All the herbal infusions back then, and to this day, act as mild diuretics. And during antiquity, tea was a form of an antibiotic drink to return the person to health. Something old that Icarians do in present day is to eat a variation of the Mediterranean diet. Lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, beans, potatoes, and of course, olive oil. It's truly olekala, all is well when you can eat and sustain yourself from an environment rich in flora, returning ancient practices to modern life. Kiki Vale is the founder of Kefi Life. She is passionate about whole person wellness and living a fulfilled life. Her Kefi Life podcast is created to simply and naturally help you harmonize the mind, body, and soul the Greek way. Visit kefilife.com at kefilife365 on Instagram, and check out Kiki Vale on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Join us again next time for more positive energy and inspiration on Kefi Life.